This is part one of a four-parter explaining every single step of the process of editing in a professional workflow. So this episode is all about the assembly. Listen in if you want to hear all of the steps, every single step from the moment that you receive the footage to the moment you deliver an assembly. All right, let's get on with it. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the video editing podcast from Unsplice. With me, your host, Shiny. I am the lead trainer and founder at Unsplice. And Unsplice is the only online video editing mentorship program. So if you are feeling stuck in your journey as a video editor, then Unsplice is here to help you because when I was starting out, there was very little resources, in fact, no resources online to help me understand the workflow, the process of professional editing and the skills that I would need and need to learn in order to cut like a pro. Uh, And so this is my way of giving out to the video editing community and helping you achieve your video editing goals as soon as possible and cutting out all those years of trial, trial and error and guessing. So this episode is part one, as I explained, of a four parter and you're going to learn all about the assembly. So the way that I've split this four-parter is part one is going to explain all of the steps of building out an assembly. Part two, you're going to learn about the rough cut. Part three, the fine cut. And part four, the online. So those are the four steps that a professional edit will go through. Uh, Certainly if you're working on documentaries or something like this or broadcast, even in a commercial environment, uh, you will find that the edit goes through this same process in a professional scenario. So this is gonna break down each of those steps and everything that is involved in each of those steps. So part one is assembly. Today we're gonna learn about assembly and so what is an assembly and what stage does it have to be in to be considered an assembly? What are the main things you're thinking about as you're building an assembly? So an assembly really in its um, rudimentary form is a very basic, um, it's a simple edit. It has all of the main things that you want from an edit. It has most of the dialogue. It's a first pass. It has a bit of B-roll. Maybe it has some music. It's super rough. You know, there's jump cuts. There's bits of um, B-roll that's shaky. The music isn't cut perfectly. But you get a vibe for it. You can understand where it's going once it's been polished a bit. This is the most lengthy part of the editing process, generally because you are going from nothing to an edit. You're building something. And that takes a lot of cognitive power. It takes a lot of understanding of storytelling and uh, trying to figure out what story it is that you are telling. So this really is the hardest part uh, in terms of the duration um, of the time you're gonna be spending on the edit. 
Now, if you ask different editors what is actually the hardest part of editing, you know, it depends on the client sometimes. I've worked with clients on jobs where the fine cut is the hardest part because they're coming in and there's so many layers, there's so many, so many layers of hierarchy above you in terms of executives, um, clients, shareholders, who all want a voice in what's going on. And so they're all fighting over each other and you have to try and build out something that pleases everyone. Whereas in the assembly stage, you're very much kind of left to your own devices. You're given a brief and you have to kind of figure it out yourself. And this is where you really get to make a stamp on the edit as you see it and create your vision. Uh, so it can be the most fun. But let's go through the entire process of building an assembly. So you're given a hard drive and you have all of the assets. First thing you're going to do is you're going to ensure all of the assets are in the correct format. Make sure they are in a working codec, not a delivery codec. And only if your machine can handle raw footage should it be in a raw codec. Otherwise, it needs to be transcoded to a working format. Really, really, really important step, this one. Especially if you're not working on a uh, $30,000 machine. Because if you're dealing with assets that are in the wrong format, it's going to slow down the entire editing process. And further down the line, when you get to actually build your assembly, and now you're working on the rough cut and the final and the fine cut, your working process is going to be so slow because the machine is going to be so laggy um, and full of bumps and bottlenecks that you're going to be cursing yourself that you didn't do this first step correctly. So ensure all of the assets are in the correct format. That's video, audio, and stills, and anything else that you're going to bring in. You know, every single thing that is going to be put pulled into your editing software needs to be in the correct format. And I can't emphasize this enough. This is crazy important. So transcode all the footage and make sure that all of your assets are nice and tidy and organized at a folder structure level. So on the hard drive or wherever it is you're working, make sure you back it up. Back it up twice. If it's not backed up online, back it up twice. Okay, let's assume all of your assets now are nice and safe. And they're all transcoded and everything's kosher. Everything's good to go. Well, now you need to check the brief. You've got all of the technical bits done. Let's review the brief and think about the creative asks that are coming through the brief. So depending on the job, whether it's documentary, music video, commercial, branded content, whatever it is, you're going to receive a brief in a different way. It could be a set of storyboards if you're working on a commercial. Um, quite often it'll come in, you'll have storyboards or an animatic, if it's a super high budget one, of something to work from. 
And this gives you a good understanding of what it is that you are creating. Uh, it might just be a paragraph, a, you know, a paragraph and some bullet points in an email. This is what we want. Or it could be a deck, a PDF document, which has images of references pulled from different sources. It has a page. We're envisioning this. We want to create this. This is the first scene. This is the next scene. And um, this is how you get an understanding of what it is that you are creating. And this is a really important step. And um, this is going to help you understand as you are looking through the footage, you understand what it is you are actually looking for. So it's really important that you take this, this bit seriously and just don't just brush it over and look at it quickly. Try and go deep because what is and is not said in the brief is going to help you make sure that you only pull the correct footage. And if you start pulling footage that is not in the brief, then you're just making more work for yourself. So it's very important that you make sure to understand what is and what is not being asked. If something is left out, don't put it in your edit. Um, hopefully, with the brief, you've got some references. Depending on the kind of job, whether it's uh, commercial or branded content, generally you'll get references. Maybe it's a reel, maybe it's um, uh, a sizzle or some kind of manifesto film. You're going to get some references for that generally. So make sure you absorb that and ask them how deep you want to go to go with the reference. You know, how close are we going to match that reference? And what is it? Is it the music? Is it the pace, the vibe? Um, what is it from that reference that we want to take? And what are we going to make our own? If you're working on a documentary, chances are you're not going to get a reference. Um, so you'll work with your own, work off your own back, your own creative references. But the chances are that you got that job because of your portfolio because of the past stuff that you've cut so not such uh not such a you know a deal breaker or a thing to be worried about if you don't have references if you're cutting a documentary okay now we have an understanding of the project we understand what's being asked of us we've got the footage that's safe make sure all the footage is organized inside your editing software now we're bringing all of that in we understand what is being asked of us. And the brief, if it's a large project, will help you understand probably how this thing has been shot. Has it been, is each day going to be in a different scene? We're in different locations? Or um, is, the, is the footage going to be shot uh, chronologically and we're showing somebody's journey, their journey from one place to another or through time or as they overcome something we have an understanding of the story so now we can understand what's the best way to organize our footage within our editing software make sure it's organized nice labeled labeled uh, accordingly and then the first thing you're going to do once you have all of that in there and let's quickly recap because all of the footage all of the music and all of the assets are all in the correct format then we have reviewed the brief and the storyboard, immersed ourselves in that. We brought all of the assets into the software at this point, and now they're all in the correct format. It's all good, and they're organized perfectly so that we can find everything. Then we're going to create a string out. 
Now, if you're unsure what a string out is, I encourage you to head to unsplice.com forward slash terms. That is your new video editing terms Bible. That's your glossary, your encyclopedia. If ever you come across a term that you are unsure about, I have created a glossary of all the professional video editing terms that you will come across in an industry environment so that you can understand quickly what that means without having to ask someone or feel embarrassed that you don't know what that means. So video uh, unspice.com forward slash terms, T-E-R-M-S, terms. So that's your new glossary Bible. So now we're creating a string out. And with a string out, you want to ensure that you sync all of the multiple cameras that have been shot. So if any scene has been shot with multiple cameras, two or more, make sure that they are all synced together on your string out. A string out is essentially just one long timeline of all the footage that's been shot. How you organize that is up to you. I tend to do it on as it's shot chronologically. Here's shoot day one. Great, shoot day two, shoot day three. You might choose by location. Um, and then on that string out, you will find all of the multiple multicam scenarios are synced. And also all of the audio is synced. So if audio is recorded separately to the visual, this is where you sync it. You sync it on the string out because now, because now you have that string out, you have a, basically a master file, a master sequence that you can pull all of the footage from that you need. And so if ever you need to think, okay, I need to, I need some footage, you can just review the string out and scrub through that and pull directly from that into your new timeline in order to create it. And you know that all the cameras are in sync and all of the audio is in sync. And if you have any subtitles, if it's in a foreign language, for example, then it automatically pulls all of those in all together. So a string out is super important, especially if you're dealing with multiple cameras, external audio sources or subtitles, especially if you're dealing with all of them together, because you can just pull all of that in from the source monitor and drop it on the timeline super quick. So now you have your string out. You can mark the footage so you understand what is happening in each parts of the string out. You can also um, mark footage as you review it. But just think about how you're going to mark the footage using markers, or uh, perhaps you like to use metadata. However it is that you like to organize footage, this is the time. Now we have everything organized, ready to go. Everything before this point has been technical workflow. Incredibly important to ensure that the entire creative process is super smooth. There's no bumps, no, no bottlenecks, no lags. And if you skip any of those steps that we've just covered, then you are setting yourself up for failure when it comes to the creative process. None of that should be skipped. So now that we have all of that ready, you need to um, think about the story. Now we're gonna start 
creating the actual edit. Think of the story thread. The story thread, if you are familiar with the shiny principle, S-H-I-N-Y, the why in the shiny principle, why are you making this film? Why is it important? Why should we watch it? That is the story thread. So what's the story that connects the entire piece, the entire timeline, everything that is going to go on that timeline now? What's the story that connects it? So you need to have this in your mind before anything. The story thread should be one sentence. One sentence that explains the entire story and the purpose for that story. And now you have this story thread, write it on a post-it note, put it above your edit station, because you're gonna refer back to this every time you're pulling any footage to make sure that it speaks to that story thread. If it doesn't answer that question or relate to that sentence, that story thread, then it's, it's not needed, get rid of it. If you don't really fully understand the footage, what it is you're being asked to create at this point, then save this step until after you've reviewed the footage. And that's the very next step. Review the footage. Now, if you have time in an ideal world, and this used to be the case when I was editing, you know, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, even you would have enough time to review the footage twice. Once just to kind of like check it out. And then the next time, to pull the bits that were relevant to the story you're trying to create. Now, doesn't happen anymore. So, you, as you were re reviewing the footage for the very first time, hopefully you've already read the brief, and you understand the concept, and you understand what it is that you're looking at enough to know when you find something that is good. And every time you find something that's good, you're going to select that and pull that onto a fresh timeline and that is going to be your timeline of selects. By creating a timeline of selects, you're essentially choosing the best bits. So now in the future, every time you want to go through and trying to think about, oh, is there something good that can go in here? You've got a shorter version of all of the footage. So rather than looking at a string out, which might be 10 hours long, you've got a selects timeline, which is 45 minutes long. So that's going to take you a lot less time to skim through that and find all the best bits that you need. Now, generally, I would pull only the dialogue at this stage, only dialogue selects, because as you're reviewing the footage, you're understanding the scenes, you're understanding the shots that are in each scene, and you don't need to pull that down onto a select timeline just yet, um, because when you start doing a B-roll pass, then you can jump back in and scrub through quickly. And it might save you a bit of time rather than pulling all of the B-roll now because it's gonna be a lengthy process. If you stop to pull every single shot that looks like good B-roll, you might not use all of that B-roll. So I tend to not pull B-roll into my selects timeline yet because once I have a rough dialogue edit and I've pulled all the dialogue into a timeline that I, I know I want to create, then I know which B-roll I need because I'm not going to use all of the B-roll 
So by pulling select of only the dialogue, you're going to save yourself a bit of time at this stage up front. As you're building the edit, you want to think about rocks in a glass. Now, we've all heard this analogy before about a teacher filling up a glass with rocks, showing it to the class and saying, does this look full? The class answers, yes. And then they start to put pebbles inside. And then he asks, okay, now is the glass full? Oh, yes. And then they start to put sand in the glass and it falls and it fills all the, all the gaps in the glass. Now is it full? Yeah, absolutely. And then they put water in and fill up the glass. You want to think about your edits like this. The dialogue is the rock, are the rocks. Because if you look at a timeline, especially if you're creating a documentary edit or a branded piece of branded content or anything that's got a dialogue or interview led, when you look at a timeline that's finished, what are the bigger, big chunks? They're the dialogue. So make sure you think about the dialogue first, work on that, then B-roll and music is your pebbles and the sand is the fine tuning of the B-roll and then you've got the sound effects as well. Um, and then the water, by the way, is the online. But we're gonna to get to that process in part four of this four part series. So now you are just pulling selects of dialogue. That's all you're doing. As you're doing this, or once you've finished reviewing all the footage and pulling together a selects timeline of dialogue only, you should now understand all the footage that you have available to you. You may have to skim through that whole process and just watch back the dialogue if things, if time is really tight, schedule is tight. Only you watch back the dialogue, skim all the bits where there's B-roll. You also want to watch back any moments where you have verite or actuality. Again, if you're unfamiliar with this term, unsplice.com forward slash terms. And um, actuality and verite is the, are those moments of uh, serendipity. They're moments of just people person going about their normal business, or if it's two people, just a casual conversation, not a formal sit-down interview. It's just them going about their day doing whatever. That's verite or actuality. Same thing. So you understand now the story that you, or, or rather the assets that you have available to you, the footage that you have, now you can think about the story that you are creating. What's the story thread? We spoke about this earlier. What is that one sentence that is going to tie every single piece of dialogue and every single shot together? Think about this hard and you may not get it right first time. Certainly in the last edit that um, I have been working on, it took me at least a week of just playing around with different ideas and trying to build out uh, one of the characters' uh, plots, one of their, one of the ideas, the stories that we follow, and, and kind of thinking about how can we make this character relatable, and how can we get the audience to like them? Because on the surface. 
they were an influencer. And so sometimes the first thing that people think about an influencer is has negative connotations. So how can we make this person likable? And so that was the main thing that we had to communicate from the very beginning. How do we get the audience to like this person? Um, and so you might not get it right first time. It might take a bit of thinking, a bit of back and forth, um, in trying out different things. Um, write it down on a post-it note. And this is how I think every editor kind of finds their feet when they're trying to figure out their story. Um, write, use post-it notes, write down the scenes, what goes on in those scenes, or even ideas or things that are spoken about and move these post-it notes about to create a paper, a post-it note edit and put that on the wall and you can easily shift things around until it, things seem right, until it flows. And that is how you develop that story thread before you've even created an edit. There's a lot of work going in up to this point here. Now, if you're lucky and you're working perhaps on something that's longer form, or you're working with an incredible team, you may have a paper edit. A paper edit is quite literally um, a, a script or a document that an edit producer or a producer might construct based on the transcriptions of the dialogue from the rushes. Again, if any of those terms are foreign to you, unspliced.com forward slash terms. And so the transcriptions are the literal, um, the, the words that are being said um, in the footage. And so that can be transcribed into, you know, a script, so to speak, just a Word document. And then an edit producer might go through and just select the bits of dialogue that they think sounds great. And they'll construct together a, an order of the dialogue and where the bits come from on paper. They can either hand that to you or an assistant editor. The assistant editor will then build that out. And that's your starting block then to then build and edit around, find those other bits that kind of tie it together and improve the edit. But that could be your starting block. You might not always have that luxury, uh, but that is something that could happen. So we are a chunk of the way here already now. There's been a lot that's got up to this point, but really we've only just pulled, made a select a select timeline of the best dialogue that we think works. And now that you have that, you can use that to build out your story. You've reviewed all the footage, you have this select timeline of dialogue. Now take that and build the first pass of your dialogue edit. Now you might be, might be called a dialogue edit or sometimes called a sync cut or even a radio cut. And this is just dialogue and nothing else. Now you might think to add on some music as well at this point. And that is, you know, it, there's no B-roll, there's nothing, it's plain. If you close your eyes, then you are hearing the edit. And that's why it's sometimes called a radio cut. How does the story flow? How does it go? How's the pacing? How is the music working at this point? 
You may not decide to put music on. You may not have time. Um, it all depends on the client and what the client's expectations are and how they like to work with having a conversation with them um, just to find out set expectations from the beginning. But if you have a dialogue, if you have dialogue and you have music, you set the tone now for the whole edit and you can figure out what bits of B-roll are going to work because the music is such a strong part of the edit and the final edit that it sets it sets the emotional tone, it sets the pacing, um, it also sets the rhythm of the whole edit and the rhythm of the shots that change. Um, it is often a good idea to start with the music after the dialogue and build it out like that and then start uh, building up the b-roll and putting on a b-roll pass after that once everything's flowing. But some people would prefer to put a b-roll once they have dialogue do the B-roll because if you're handing an edit to a client, the first rough assembly, and you know you only have X amount of time before you have to send it across to them, a client is going to be more forgiving of an edit with dialogue and B-roll, but no music whatsoever, than they are going to be of an, an, an edit with dialogue and music and no B-roll. Um, they can, from a client's perspective, they can picture how an edit, how the finished edit might feel without music. They can kind of put music on in their head, but they can't imagine B-roll. It's a lot harder to sort of imagine B-roll over the top of something. So um, you might want to do a B-roll pass after the dialogue and then music. I like to change it up depending on the project, depending on the client, depending on the deadline, um, and just kind of go through those questions in my head to figure out what is actually most important. Um, so hopefully at this point, you've got a peppering of B-roll and you've got a bit of music if you had time, and that is your assembly. You've got a story thread that goes all the way through, a first iteration, and it's going to be very rough, very, very rough. But it's like, you know, just the broad strokes. This is what I'm thinking. Let's experiment and try different things. Let's see if that bit will work before there. And then let's see if we like cut back and forth to these two scenes um, and see if that works or see if we need to keep those two scenes separate completely. You know, this is the time where we experiment and see uh, if these broad stroke ideas actually work because after this point it becomes a lot harder to move stuff around and experiment with the bigger ideas um, when we're playing with the rocks if any of that has been uh, if any of those terms are unclear that url again is unspiced.com forward slash terms and if you feel like any of this has gone over your head or you feel like you'd like to know how to do any of these processes, then head to unspliced.com forward slash pro. Every single one of these processes is taught within Unspliced Pro. You've got some training waiting for you within there and you also can speak with me. And if you ever get stuck or you are unsure about any of the processes or you don't think you're doing it right, or maybe you just like a little help 
or you have any questions whatsoever about anything, then I am in the platform along with all the other splicers to answer any questions that you have. So you will never get stuck. So I'm just going to very quickly recap all of those steps again so you understand the process of creating an assembly before the next episode, which will be talking about the rough cut. So firstly, ensure all of your assets are in the correct format. As soon as you receive that hard drive, make sure they're all in the correct format. Back it up twice. Transcode any footage that needs transcoding and make sure to review the brief, the storyboard, the deck, the creative, whatever it is that you have. Check out any references that the client has sent your way and then organize the footage at a folder, folder level. Create a string out so that you have all of your cameras synced, all of the audio synced, and all of the footage marked and organized in a way that makes sense for this particular project because every project is gonna be different. Think about the story thread. That's the why in the shiny principle. Why are you creating this film? Why should the audience watch it? What is, what is happening? Review all of the footage, or actually just the main dialogue bits of footage, because time is tight. You can scrub through the B-roll, make sure you watch any bits where there's bits of actuality or verity, verite, and pull any selects of the dialogue onto a select timeline. Now that you understand the footage, think about the story thread even deeper. You understand exactly what's happening a bit better. Write down on post-it notes what is happening in each scene and what is being said and how can you create an, an interesting narrative using that dialogue, using those assets, using that footage. Again, this process works even if you don't have dialogue, you still need to understand and create, craft a narrative, some kind of story using what you have. And um, if you have a paper edit, wonderful. Pull all of the dialogue onto a timeline and review it, make sure it all works. And then either pull on the music or the B-roll or both in a very rough fashion you just kind of, you're not necessarily finding the best shots, you're finding a shot that represents that scene and what's happening in that scene and throw it on. And that is your assembly. It's rough. And it's more like an explaining of ideas. This is kind of what I'm thinking. Here you go. And if you are working with a client that hasn't worked with assemblies before, doesn't understand the process completely, make sure you explain to them everything that is wrong with your current edit uh, and your thinking behind everything. It should be a fairly decent email of bullet points explaining what you're trying to achieve from each scene, what are you thinking going ahead, um, the kind of music that you're thinking, the kind of style of editing, perhaps some transitions, maybe you're thinking about graphics, titles, all of these things should be bulleted and delivered with your assembly cut. And that is your assembly. I hope this has been super useful. I'm looking forward to sharing with you the process of the rough cut in next week's episode. And um, 
like I said, if you are struggling with any of these, you want clarification on any of those processes, head to unspice.com forward slash pro and you can sign up for Unspice Pro, get access to all of the training, which will run through every single one of these processes and walk with you by your side to ensure that you don't make a step wrong and that you get it all right. And this is going to be, this is going to improve your workflow to an industry standard so that you're working at a professional workflow, ensuring all of your assets prevent lag, prevent a bottleneck in your process, and to ensure that as the timeline grows and gets bigger and bigger, the further along the edit that you get, you're ensuring that you aren't encountering lag or any kind of bottleneck or crashing, for example, which we don't want. And by doing it in this process, in this manner, you will find that you have more creative freedom because you are freeing your mind. It's, everything's a process up until this point, step-by-step -step process, and you're freeing your mind of too many extraneous thoughts or worries so you can concentrate exclusively on the creative aspect of editing, which, let's be honest, is what we all enjoy the most. Head to unsplice.com forward slash pro and I will hopefully see you inside the membership. Thank you very much for listening. I will speak to you next week. Ciao.